First Timothy chapter 3, sorry, verse 8. It says, likewise, must, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us now as we look at this uh, glorious position that you've given of service to the church, that you would help us to uh, see the responsibility of it, to embrace it to, uh, as a church, choose wisely the people that you would put in place. And Father, we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me give you my philosophical statement, because this is a problem in Baptist churches. We think that the reason we have deacons is to keep the pastor in line. I'm serious. You'd be amazed how many Baptist churches think that they're supposed to have deacons so they can balance out the, the, uh, you know, the, the balance of power is taken care of. We view our church as if it were the government of the United States of America. And so we want checks and balances in place. Uh, there's a problem with this, okay? So I agree with it from the perspective of government. It is good to have checks and balances in place. It is good that the president doesn't have carte blanche and do whatever he wants. And it is good that Congress does not have carte blanche and do whatever they want. And it is good that the Supreme Court doesn't have carte blanche, although it seems of late they have had. But that's another story. And can't do whatever they want. It's called checks and balances. But the requirement of that is that there, it, it's based on the idea of mistrust. Do you understand? Now bring that into the church. And what we're, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you can't trust your pastor, get a new one. I, I don't know what to say to you. Now, I'm not, by the way, I don't have carte blanche. So don't panic. It's not like I can do whatever I want. I can only do what God allows me to do. And if I don't do that, you should be getting a new one. It, it, it all comes down to this. Get a new one, right? Or, but the idea of the pastor and the deacons being in opposition when we set things up that way, that's just a horrible, that creates an atmosphere in a church that is ugly. Guess what? We're on the same team. We're all going to the same place. I don't mean heaven. I mean we all have our eyes on the same goal. We all press toward the mark of the prize. By the way, you're on the same team with us. We're all on the same team. Some churches think it's congregation versus deacon versus pastor. And we've set up this nice checks and balances. And so there's this constant turmoil. One of the things that makes it nice to be at Southeast Baptist Tabernacle is that we don't know. That is not our philosophy. If you're looking to put somebody on the board to keep us in check, you've missed the whole point. That doesn't even make sense from a biblical standpoint. That's not what we're doing. The idea is that we come together in ways to pave the way of the ministry so the ministry becomes stronger and becomes easier to accomplish. It removes the extra burden off of one, two, or three, four, or four people, and it spreads it out. That's what it's intended to do. Acts chapter 6, which we'll look at next week. So uh, just understand that's our deacon philosophy. So we're asking you to put people on the board who embrace the philosophy and come alongside their pastor. And we work together toward the same goals that you would also come alongside with us to go toward. You understand? That's how you have unity in a ministry. How weird is that? Right? Well, it is kind of weird in Baptist churches. But 
You know, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for unity. And so uh, I am so thankful because in the 28 years I've been here as your pastor, we've enjoyed that in a very unique way. We have we built in 2000. We built in 2008. Uh, we uh, bought the property next door. Uh, and that property next door, you talk about a challenge to a church. We bought the property next door for $130,000 in one weekend. Remember that one? That was a whirlwind. Uh, how many churches can pull that one off? And yet, wow, we actually still like each other. How weird. It's because we're on the same team. We're not, a, we're not in opposition. We actually are working together to accomplish the same goal, which is to reach the lost and to bring glory to our Savior through a place called Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. You see how that works? What a wonderful thing that is. So just understand the philosophy going into it, and we can just keep this thing just moving like it has, which has been sweet and joyful. And it's why people go around saying, I love my church, you know, because we're actually, we actually love each other. It's kind of nice. All right, let's keep going. Uh, we're in First Timothy chapter 3. Likewise, must the deacon. By the way, the word likewise, you know, car- carries with it in addition to, right? It's likewise. In other words, he just talked about pastors. And he says this word likewise, which is basically saying deacons and pastors are pretty close to each other. Do you see that word that brings it all together? In fact, when you look at deacons in the, uh, in the New Testament, there's really only two deacons that we know a whole lot about. But Stephen is famous. He's a famous deacon. Not because of his deaconing. What was he famous for? He was the first martyr. Stephen stood up and preached... And was killed for the cause of Christ. The first Christian martyr was a deacon. Think that one through for a minute. Deacons. Hang on tight because God's expectation is that we embrace service. We embrace ministry. And so uh, it's likewise. Uh, God, God says, here's my expectation of pastors. And here's my expectation of deacons. And it's likewise. Do you see that? I mean, wow, this is a big deal. It's not something that you take lightly. It is likewise. Likewise, must the deacons be grave? Doesn't mean that we put them in their grave. It doesn't mean, by the way, either that you can never smile. Grave means to be, to be serious, but it doesn't mean that you never can smile and have a good time. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, I would be looking for a job. Uh, it, it means that when, when it's time to be serious, we know how to be serious. That we understand the gravity of the position because literally souls are in the balance with how well we do our job. You understand? I mean, it's, there's, there's a gravity to this situation. And so we approach this with some seriousness. This isn't frivolous. It's something that we take seriously. So likewise, must the deacons be grave. Not double-tongued. I am so thankful for our deacons. Over the years, we have had nothing but wonderful deacons. I mean this sincerely. We have just had, God's been so good, and you've been good, done a good job in picking these people out to serve. But, you know, there's nothing worse for a pastor than to have a wonderful meeting with the deacons and then have the deacons go around and stab them in the back to everybody else, right? How, how much fun would that be? How long do you think that pastor is going to last in that ministry? There's a reason why I'm still here joyfully after 28 years. You've made it possible for me to enjoy this ministry for 28 years. 
And that's because the deacons that you give me to serve with are just good men who love me and love each other and love you. And, and they, they know how to come together. And, you know, we don't always agree. That may shock you. We don't always agree. Uh, you know, we're not looking for 100% agreement in order to be on the board. But what we do is when we come to you, we always agree. We want to be in agreement to come to you. And so, you know, those, you know, hey, I tell you, it's, it's sometimes we just have good old-fashioned fun in our not agreeing in a meeting. But when we're done, there's still a sweetness because we love each other. So I don't have to worry about them leaving that room and all of a sudden talking differently to somebody else. Not double-tongued, it says. Now then, let me just get to this one, all right? This is just a challenge for a lot of people And it's not a challenge for Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. It might be a challenge for you, but it's not for our church. It says, not given to, yikes, now, in the description of the pastor, many have been careful to point out that the pastor is not to drink, but the deacon, not to drink much. You know, and many are trying to, you know, make those distinctions. And I'm going to tell you where our church has stood historically where the church, the church, historically, has stood with periods of, of pulling away from historical position. And that is that there's no time for, be- for alcohol to be a beverage for the Christian. No time. No time. By the way, I say for the Christian, not for the deacon and the pastor, for the Christian. Now, we can argue this point forever, but what you've got to do when you're, when you're coming up with a stance, remember, you always, you always compare Scripture to what? Uh, the Scripture. Not to our opinion, not to the mood of the country, but to other Scripture. Now, I'm aware that there are some passages of Scripture that say, huh? You, you might wonder. But there are strong passages of Scripture that say, woe unto the man that giveth his neighbor strong drink. Woe unto the man who gets up in the morning to drink again. Don't even look on the wine if it moves in the glass. So guess what? There's a difference between wine that moves in the glass and other wine that is spoken about in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. We're not even supposed to look at this wine. And this wine you can drink. Now, you try to figure this out and it will just give you a headache. It really will. And I can spend a lot of time trying to give you some historical you know, position, but bottom line is this. This wine over here that is drinkable does not result in drunkenness. Look at the scripture. Woe unto this. Don't look at this. Don't touch this. The man given to this is in trouble. The Bible's full of that. And so I'm going to show you how to make this simple. This is true for music. This is true for television. This is true for whatever else that you want to clothing. This works, all right? So, over here, my old illustration. If, you've, if you're new, this will be new to you. If you've been coming here for four years, this is the fourth, year, fourth time you've heard it. If you've been coming here for 12 years, how many times do you think you've heard it? At least 12. All right, so over here, unquestionably, Darren's over here, so we'll, wrong. <laughs> unquestionably wrong, all right? Over there, teenagers. Oh, unquestionably right. And everything in the middle. 
is the stuff that we spend all of our time bickering about. Can we listen to this? Can we watch that? Can I wear this? We want to argue about it. But here's what we know. We know when we look in our closet, we can all of us, all of us can go to our closet and pick out something that is unquestionably right. Oh, wrong. That's right. This is Darren. Unquestionably wrong. And all of us can go, well, maybe you can't pick something out. Hopefully you can't pick something out of your closet that's unquestionably wrong. Hopefully you'd have to go to the store to get that. Unquestionably right you can find right in your closet. So the point I'm saying is you know, you know. So the position for the church, the position, the safe position for everybody is over here. Would you agree? I mean, it's true that there may be some song out there that's really a good song that we might be able to use, but... You know, it's questionable, we're not really sure, but, you know, we may get to heaven and God say, you know, you could listen to that. But it's not like, I, it's not like I'm condemned by staying over here, right? So if I stay over here, I'm safe. It's called safe. It's a good place for a church to be. So our church's position is, don't drink, period. If you want to drink, you can't be a deacon, period. And you probably shouldn't be a father, do you think drinking makes you a better father? Better doctor? How would you like to have your doctor drinking? Just before he's cutting. What would you do last night, doc? Well, I was bar hopping last night. Here, let me get my scalpel ready. Yikes! It doesn't make you a better anything. There's nothing other than a bartender, all right? It might make you a better bartender, but it doesn't make you a better anything else. It doesn't make you a better lawyer. It doesn't make you a better pastor. It doesn't make you a better anything. So stay away from it. Makes sense. It just makes sense. Safe. Right over here. So that's our position. So I'm just telling you, all right? Uh, When it comes to deacons, that's how we interpret that. Not greedy of filthy lucre, which is kind of comical. You know, it is funny how people think about money in the church. Not not you. You folks are so gracious. But you do know that whatever money you give doesn't go to the deacons and us. You know, we don't go out to dinner on your dime. You know, it's not like, hey, what came in the offering this week? Let's see where we can go eat this afternoon. It doesn't work that way, right? Uh, but it is also true that it's possible to manipulate things so that monies are available to you. All right? I, I'm, I'm well aware of how this works. I got saved. In, my, the pastor I got saved under, he preached, and I got saved, and it was wonderful. I was 16. I went to work for him when I was 17. When I was 19, I could tell something's not right, and I quit. And when I was 21, he was arrested and thrown in jail for eight years for stealing $1.5 million from the church. I know it's possible. I'm aware of how that works. It's possible. So your deacons, your pastor, hey, if we're in this for the money, we've missed the whole point. Right? We've missed the whole point. And it is true that there's a lot of money given into our, into our trust. Just because you guys are so gracious and you give and you take care of things. And it's wonderful. Uh, it's just wonderful that you do that. So there's that there. But the, the truth is, you know, the money's God's money. You know, and so it's accounted for and it's God's money. And so, but... Deacons ought not to be greedy of filthy lucre, and that's not what we do. We're, not, we're really not trying to figure out how to enrich our lives 
on your giving, uh, but how to enrich the cause of Christ with your giving. And uh, that's been a real blessing. So um, as we're looking at this, this is that not greedy of filthy lucre. In verse 9, it says, holding fast the mystery of the faith in pure conscience. You know, the, the concept is this, that, you know, we have been given a great gift. This is the great responsibility of deacons and of pastors and, by the way, of church members. The great gift we have been given is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? And all of us share in that. When Jesus stood with the disciples and declared that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he imparted to us the responsibility of this mysterious gospel that has now been revealed in this wonderful age of the church that God would so love the world that he would give his only begotten son and he's given us the responsibility to share that wonderful news and so the real truth is the reason you give money and the reason we have services and the reason we train and teach and the reason we have deacons is so that this job can be done to its greatest ability because this is the primary holding fast the mystery of the faith. To understand that what we're doing is a service to our Savior that paves the road, just like John the Baptist was the the road paver for Jesus and his ministry. We are, especially as deacons and pastors, to pave the road for the church to accomplish this ministry with the glorious gospel of Christ to hold fast, to hold this responsibility in high esteem. You know, our deacons and our pastors ought to be people who share the gospel, ought to be people who know Christ as Savior and who desire to see that message go forth. To hold that in a, in, in a pure conscience means then that we're not, uh, there's not a pretense, but we, that's legit, that we understand and we actively involve ourselves in this mystery of the faith that God has given to us. So um, it's a big deal. Verse 9 is really what it's all about. Verse 10, and we're going to try to get through this passage, so just hang on tight, we'll get through it. Uh, Verse 10 says, And let these also first be proved. The idea is, uh, remember, we're not supposed to have novices. Uh, That's speaking about the pastors, but we're not supposed to have novices. That's someone who's too young to be be there yet. I got saved at 16. When I was 17, I became a youth pastor. On staff, full-time, Faith Baptist Church in Avon. $150 a week back then, that was full-time money. And I was getting paid more than a lot of full-time pastors. It was a big deal. And, uh, but I'm going to tell you, honestly, that was probably the, the silliest thing that that church had ever done. Well, besides letting their pastor steal $1.5 billion. But, yeah. <laughs> but you get the idea. I mean, it's like, yikes. Do you think that I was a novice at that point? Now, God was good to me. He, he let me grow through it. it was, but I tell you, I made so many blunders with teenagers. It wasn't even one Sunday school morning. You're going to die when I tell you this. I stood up because I thought this would be funny. And it was. It's, it's funnier now. <laughs> I stood up, and with tears in my eyes, I announced that I was dying of brain cancer. I had teenagers weeping all over the place. It was about 45, 50 teenagers. I had teenagers weeping, and I'm just, I'm, I'm having a blast. 
You know why? Because I'm 17. I'm an idiot. That's like, hello. This was in no way beneficial to the cause of Christ, right? How how is this helpful to what God wants to do in the lives of these kids? But I was having a blast. I'm a novice. Not a good thing to be doing at that time, right? It just wasn't really a benefit to what we should have been accomplishing. I'm squandering what little time I've got with these teenagers in the Word of God to, to play a prank, that was a really mean prank, you know, it really was not a good prank. And, uh, and I wonder, you know, even then, now, you know, now as an adult, I wonder, I look back and think, I wonder how long it took for me to regain the trust of those teenagers. When I would stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, and be, yeah, right, like we're going to believe anything you say. Because I just had convinced them of a lie. You get the idea? All because it was just fun. Funny. And uh, so we ought not to be this way. We ought to be first proved. So the people that are in these positions ought to be worthy of them, not because we, you know, they're old or not because they are smart, but because we know them. You understand? We know the testimony behind their lives. And we've seen the Lord at work in their lives. And we say, you know, God's working. So they could, they could be a 17-year-old and be ready. Just because I'm 17 doesn't mean I was a novice. I was a novice because I got saved a year earlier. I got saved at 16. I'm a youth pastor at 17. Right? Had I been saved at 6 and been growing in Christ and 12 surrendered my life to full-time ministry and been preparing, by the time I was 17, I might have been fine. I wouldn't have been a novice. But wow, a year under your belt and you're ready for the ministry? Yikes. Uh, that was a tough one. So don't, 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 that's not it. Then let them use, after they've been proved, let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. So it's a great opportunity. Let them embrace the opportunity. This is what your men do, by the way, and they embrace the opportunity. They say, we're going to step up. We're going to make this easier for Pastor and Pastor Andrew to, to accomplish the job. We're going to pave the way for the church to be able to accomplish even more because now we've got people that are helping out in this ministry to, to just make things smooth, run smoother and easier so that things happen. And what a glorious thing it is so that they can use the office of the deacon being found blameless. Even so, verse 11, must their wives, ladies, you're not off the hook, you can't be a deacon. You can argue with God about that one. That's not me, all right? God's the one that makes those rules. If you don't like it, take it up with him. But, uh, but deacons who have wives, listen to what it says. Likewise, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. You know, those are, those are big things. The responsibility. God doesn't apologize. He says it this way. You know what? If you don't like it, you don't have, it's not like, it's not like God requires you to be a deacon to go to heaven. Or requires you to be a deacon's wife to go to heaven. If you don't like it, don't do it. Right? You can say no. It's that simple. You can say no. But if you say yes, then do the job. And that includes the ladies. So that they would step up and, and come alongside their husbands and help serve in these aspects. So it must be all these things. Verse 12. All right. Here we are. Back to history. Remember? Over here. Unquestionably, uh, I mean, wrong. Just kidding there. And unquestionably right. So here we get to verse 12, right? There's a lot of argument on this one. There is. We choose. All right, when I say we, this is where pastoral leadership comes into play. I have guided you as a church to choose unquestionably right, safe, 
It's safe. I'm not saying that it makes everybody else bad. I'm just saying it's safe. Look at verse 12. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife. Here's what the Bible says. Be the husband of one wife. Now, historically, churches have understood that to mean that they've not been divorced. Okay? We can have this argument. I've, I'm well aware we've got divorced men sitting right here in our church who love the Lord, who love me. You know, we get along. We're not mad at each other. It's nothing like that. Uh, I'm not trying to say you're not, you know, you're not a good person. I'm well aware that none of us are worthy of anything but for the grace of God. Okay? I'm well aware of that. I'm also well aware that there's a reason why God put a stipulation in here like this. Now, I know, you go back to New Testament times, and it's possible that they had more than one wife, literally, at the time, at the same time, right? You've got societies that, you know, were pagans, and so it's possible that they had multiple wives, and God was saying, ah, none of those, none of those. But I'm just telling you that historically, here's where the church has stood. So what we do is we choose to be safe, right? So it may eliminate, there may be some really good guys that would be good deacons, they'd know how to deacon, but... They're, they've got a divorce in their past, and so we leave them off as a deacon. And wow, that's a difficult thing. Maybe one day in heaven, God's going to look at your pastor and say, John, you idiot, you could have let these people be deacons. It's very possible. I'm willing to take that risk because the opposite would be worse. For God to look at me and say, what were you thinking? You have hurt the church for generations because you didn't obey my word. I'm just telling you, right? So this is where we choose to be. It's not because we don't love you. It's just because it's where we choose to be. So it's a safe place for the church. And I think the church being in a safe place makes some sense. And so this is what we do. We have a safe place. And so that's where we go. But let me add this last part to you because this is important. Look at what it says. Ruling their children and their own houses well. It is difficult not impossible, because I'm, I'm aware of things that happen in your past, and then you get saved, you know, and then things are different. But it is difficult to have your household in order and be divorced. You see, you see the, the confusion that would be there? Yeah, my house is in order. My house over there and my house over here. You know, it's all in order. <laughs> And that's, that makes it difficult. So God helped us to define this by adding that next line. And by the way, let me add this to you, right? Should you hold deacons to a higher standard, should you hold pastors to a higher standard for their children than anybody else? Yes! The Bible says. I mean, do I think you should rule your household well? Yes, I do. Dad, step up to the plate. I think you should. But the reality is, there's a requirement for me. Right? It's different. It is. If I don't like the heat, I don't have to be here. But it is different. You are to expect your pastor to do something to keep his household in, in order. Now, here's what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that, you know, your adult children all have to, to be doing... Adult people are adult people. They're not your responsibility anymore. So it is possible you could have a pastor or a deacon whose adult children are out there living for the devil. And it's not, it's not really a reflection on the pastor or the deacon. They're adults. They're answering to God on their own. That's what they're doing. 
and they have to deal with the Lord just like the deacon and the pastor do. But when we have children under our care, by the way, it also doesn't mean that your pastor's kids are going to be perfect. Your pastor's kids were, so it's a little different for you guys. But, <laughs> but I, I don't have little kids anymore, so let me kind of reflect over to Pastor Andrew. Pastor Andrew's not going to have perfect kids, all right? We love his kids. They're about the cutest little kids on, on the planet. They're just great kids, right? And they'll melt your heart. And especially when they stand up here and quote scripture and sing, and they're just great. Like, <sighs> but the truth is, they're human beings, They're sinful in nature, and they're going to do things they shouldn't do. The expectation is not on the children. The expectation is that when their children act up, mom and dad step in and do something about it. That's the expectation, that mom and dad rule. You get the idea? The expectation is not on the children. And so many churches try to put the expectation on the children. Look at those pastor's kids. You know what the pastor's kids are? They're just like your kids. Let's be honest about it. They're... They're sinners in need of a Savior. And they get saved, and then they're sinners with a Savior. You know, but they're still sinners. And uh, so sometimes we're a little harsh on those kids because the expectation goes to the children. No. God doesn't put the expectation on the children. Kids are kids. You know what is true about every kid on the planet? What does the Bible say? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Doesn't matter whose kids they are. No matter whose kids they are. The issue is, what are mom and dad doing about the foolishness? The expectation that that pressure goes on us as pastors, as deacons, that we ought to expect that when our kids are misbehaving, that you would expect that we would step in and do something. Because we're pastors. We ought to know better. We're deacons. We ought to know better. You get the idea? So don't put the expectation off on the kids. Kids are going to be kids. Put the expectation where it belongs, onto the deacon or the pastor. In verse 13, and we're done. I'll let you get out of here two minutes late, three minutes late. Sorry. For they have used the office of the deacon well. For they that have used the office of the deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree. Can I say this to you now? So men, listen up. You get to this point in this, in this message and you think, I don't want to be a deacon. I hope nobody... <laughs> I've done a good job of scaring the bejeebies out of you. It's like, no, no, that's not what God wants to do. He says, you know what, this is a wonderful thing to be a deacon. And they that use the office of a deacon well bring good things into their lives. I, I, I have never do, regretted, I, I don't think, I, I, I think I mean this, I don't think I've ever regretted being your pastor. In fact, my kids are here today at Southeast Baptist, not just here on the planet, they're here not because I make them. They're adults. I can't make them. They're here because you've shown them the love of Christ. Over the, This is the only church I've ever known. And they're here because they can't imagine being anyplace else. Wow. That's wonderful. And so deacons, don't men, don't be afraid of being a deacon. There's just, there's a joy that comes in serving the Lord. And so when God gives you an opportunity to serve in greater fashion, embrace it. Because those who do this office well bring into themselves, or what does it say, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please.